You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Well, good evening. Um, it's lovely to be here. This is my first time in uh, Union Road, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, my wife is a proud Mid Ulster girl, but we have been in Belfast uh, for, well, since we were students, so uh, a long time. But uh, yeah, you can take her out of Mid Ulster, but uh, you can't take Mid Ulster out of her. Isn't that the right saying? Um, so, as you've heard, I work for Exodus. I've been there for 17 years, and I now oversee what we do. We say, I, I'm, I'm called the director of UK and Ireland. The primary area that we work from is in Northern Ireland, although we do some things beyond there. And the focus for those of you who don't know is youth ministry and a vision to see young people boldly following Jesus and becoming lifelong disciple makers. I love that word, boldly. Because uh, it, it communicates some of the heart and the name Exodus taken from the book in the Bible is of this sense of moving out and adventure t- to take hold of what God has for us. And I suppose that echoes through the organization as well. And so we hope to support churches and work directly with young people to help them discover Jesus for the first time and start to put him first in their lives. I honestly think I've got the best job in the world. I, you know, Sunday nights for many people are like, oh, Sunday. And I uh, go to bed on a Sunday night looking forward to Mondays, which is absolutely wonderful. And at a time when it is so hard to be a teenager, when there's so much confusion about identity and purpose and self, what a privilege it is to be standing on the rock offering and inviting young people the chance to taste and see that God is good. To do this, Exodus does loads of things. We have six centers now across Northern Ireland, um, and they run events once or twice a week. We're in schools all the time doing things like leadership classes or alpha courses. And one of the most exciting things that we have is our teams. And I'm used to a youth audience, so I apologize if I you know, kind of lean towards interactivity, but you can give me a slight wave if you've been on an Exodus team, and like a polite, well, that's good. Or or if you you want to claim some association with an Exodus team, you can give me a, that just gives me a wee bit of encouragement as well. So uh, that's wonderful. Please come and talk to me at the end. I never get tired of the stories of people's involvement, even the ones that are telling me to do something better. So for those of you who aren't as familiar, an Exodus team is basically like a small group or a a home group. That's how we visualize it. Six to 12 people who meet weekly. They'll be starting up again in a couple of weeks from February. And they meet every week to follow a discipleship course. And then they go and they serve. Uh, Historically, it's been internationally. But COVID has given us this wonderful opportunity where we've been providing lots of teams and partnering with lots of people around Ireland as well, and so the young people are serving for 10 or 12 days there to give them the experience of mission, the experience of working alongside other passionate followers, and to gather lessons that they can apply to life following Christ back home. Uh, I've had the chance to travel all over the world with these teams. 
Nikita, who uh, worked with me for a number of years, was in Bosnia with me, was in Romania with me, and uh, it's another reason to love the job. There's a lot of organizing and planning to make this happen as a staff member, as you can imagine, getting the right people to the right place at the right time. That's really important whenever you're dealing with other people's children. Um, on one occasion, I was traveling with four others uh, in Hungary. We were heading to Romania to support a number of other groups. That's kind of more what you end up doing as a, a staff member, I end up doing. It's a, on the support or going out early to set up. There's a wee bit more of the unknown uh, sometimes. We'd set off late one evening, traveling down to Dublin, spent the night more or less in the airport, so we were able to get the earliest flight to Budapest, which is maybe a 6 a.m. flight. Picked up a van, and uh, I had started driving. It's about a five-hour drive, maybe. And I'd, I'd driven initially, but I'd handed the keys over uh, to one of the other members of the group so I could get some sleep. Um, I was probably, yeah, you know, that wasn't the best decision I've made, to be honest. Because um, I woke up in the back of the, the van about an hour late. I had a nice nap, which was, which was the good part of the decision. But I woke up about an hour later, and the two people in the front of the car, or the front of the van, were saying, Do you know, I don't, I don't think we should have turned off the motorway back there. Um, and uh, this was a few years before really reliable sat-navs or Google Maps, certainly in Eastern Europe. And uh, we, we had, the, the, the turn had happened not five minutes before, but maybe 45 minutes before, so we were too far down the road uh, to get back. We were definitely lost, and without really any bearings. Um, I, I thought that I was in some small rural uh, village in uh, Hungary. It, it turned out later that I was in Debrecen, which is the second city, and uh, is, is absolutely huge. I had absolutely no clue where I was going. So our, we ended up just kind of heading generally east. Um, we were trying to phone the local staff we have out there to orientate ourselves. We hit the wrong border crossing going into Romania. There's good border crossings whenever you're going that way that are nice and quick, and then there's ones that are very slow and angry, and that's what we hit. We ended up stopping for food just as the sun came down, so we were kind of basically totally in the dark, not a clue. We had some not-so-helpful locals who tried to trick us into giving them money to give us directions, which was quite intimidating. I know I'm not, this is not an advertisement for an Exodus team. I'd like to say, hey, this is a, a, an advertisement for all the work that goes in the background so that whenever the Exodus team goes, they're smooth, you know? Uh, we eventually arrived four hours late at our intended destination at 3 a.m. Uh, being able to orientate yourself is really important. Um, since, since that experience, I have discovered what three words. Is anyone aware of what three words? Maybe, yeah, a few, quite a few. Um, so it's an app or a website that helps us to orientate ourselves. What these guys have done is they have mapped out every three-meter section of the earth and given it three words. So I, well, I want to say, that I had to preempt this so that the slides would work, I want to say that I'm standing in Navy Workforce Grapevine. You can see that up in the corner. Unfortunately, I didn't know that the church had been turned here, so Navy uh, Workforce Grapevine is probably 
a few meters away, but that is within this church. And so the whole of the earth has got a unique three-word description. And that's where I want to start this evening. Not Navy Workforce Grapevine, but orientating ourselves. So let's go back to Matthew 28. We're going to read that again, and we're going to start there as we think about this topic that mission matters. Um, Matthew 28. So from verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You sum it up in three words. We orientate ourselves with three words, and it is go make disciples. It is a call from Jesus to orientate ourselves around mission and disciple-making. Here we are, right at the end, and Jesus was summing up his life and his teaching, giving his followers these final instructions and direction. Go make disciples. This passage is really familiar to most of us, I'm sure. It's the most read, or one of the most read. And this can be a help, because it's easy to say, but it also can be a hindrance. And so I'm going to take some poetic license, or maybe a lot of poetic license, and sum it up like this. Imagine Jesus said this, be intentional. Living in a way that deliberately helps the people around you step closer and commit more fully to Jesus. Be intentional. Because it's not simply go. It's as you go along the way, day by day, mission is now. And so the question for tonight is, how are we responding to this call to orientate our lives around mission and disciple-making? How are we responding to the call to be intentional and live in a way that deliberately helps the people around us step closer to Jesus and commit more fully to him? Hold that thought, and we're going to change gears slightly. Uh, Nikita asked me what the reading for this evening was, and I had uh, two choices, uh, four verses in Matthew 28, or the entire book of Jonah. And I, I felt that was unfair. Maybe Fleur would agree with me. And so we went for Matthew 28 as the reading. But we're going to turn to Jonah. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much the hardest book in the Bible to find, uh, the most familiar book in the hardest book in the Bible to find. So I'll give you a little bit of time uh, to turn to Jonah. Don't be embarrassed by uh, turning to the reference at the start of your Bible. Uh, I, I've got past that, having tried to speak on Jonah a few times. Like I just have to 
be comfortable with uh, looking up the page number here because it takes me so long to flick to it. So what can we learn from Jonah? It's a bit of a Sunday school question, isn't it? God said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah went the other way. The lesson's easy. We should be less Jonah, because Jonah is clearly rubbish. We're clearly awesome. End of the lesson. But maybe there's more for us. And so what we're going to try and do is see this great commission from Matthew 28 through the eyes of Jonah. What would Jonah do with this call to orientate lives around mission and disciple making? So we're going to look at it. Jonah's story is broken into four phases, which are handily packaged in four chapters. And to help us focus, for those of you that need help to focus on a Sunday evening, or to keep it interesting, we're going to give each chapter or each phase three words. So let's see what happens when God calls. Phase one, chapter one. Chapter one. Pause. What words would you use to sum up Jonah chapter one? I'm not going to retell the story of Jonah. I'm assuming that most people here know the story of Jonah. What three words would you use? The three words I chose were Nineveh, boat, fish. Jonah runs from God is the summary of phase one. Most people here, I'm sure, would not say they're running from God. It's Sunday night. It's January. We're here because we're committed to our faith. We're passionate about God. But what about this call? Be intentional. Living in a way that deliberately helps the people around you step closer and commit more fully to Jesus. Not not occasionally, not distractedly, not only when there's an audience, not even just when there's an invitation. This call was for something that was lifelong, consistent, committed. And when Jonah experienced his call in, in chapter one and went the other way, I think what, I remind, what I'm reminded of is the importance to respond with obedience. Phase one, chapter one. Respond with obedience. Phase two, two, chapter two. Can you imagine what three words I chose here? Well, I wanted to remember it. Belly, prayer, vomit. Had to be. Jonah runs to God. The picture is vivid. Three days, three nights of stress and and darkness and, and trauma, 
And I love wondering why these stories end up in the Bible. Why have they stayed? Why have they been passed on? And I think maybe the lesson here and the picture here is Jonah's lack of obedience didn't simply mean that he missed out on mission. He obviously missed out on the chance to go to Nineveh. That was obvious. But there can't be much more depressing than sitting in the belly of a fish in the dark for three days. Jonah missed out on life. He missed out on the life that God has. And I think we allow ourselves to believe that mission is is the add-on to follow God, follow Jesus, and then add on mission if you can get there, if you get the courage or the energy or the experience or whatever. And that just isn't true. That's not the way the Bible pictures followers of Jesus. Matthew 28, this commission, isn't a call to a select few. It is a commission to every disciple. And Jonah has lost his orientation. He's, he's forgotten who he really is. And so right in that moment, after three days in the belly of the fish, he starts again. He resets. He runs to God. When was the last time you acknowledged your need for Jesus? Have you lost your orientation? Lost sight of the mission he gave you and he has given you and he continues to give you? This doesn't mean that you're necessarily far from God, running from God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe we've lost our orientation of the immediacy and the urgency of this call to mission. So let's be more Jonah. Let's acknowledge our doubts or our hesitations, our weaknesses. Let's choose to reset our orientation. There's a wonderful prayer that makes up the bulk of chapter 2, and I just want to read a couple of lines of that because I think it is a a wonderful resetting. And so it's from verse 8 and verse 9. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah reminds us of our need for dependence. I don't know how good we are at dependence, to be honest, in in Northern Ireland and that level of of vulnerability. And, And most of us haven't got to a stage maybe where we feel like we're in the belly of a fish and things are absolutely awful. But I think if we want to be committed to mission, if we want to respond to this call to make disciples, we have to be in the place of dependence. So Jonah runs from God. Jonah runs to God. Now we're on to phase three. 
chapter 3. And we need three more words to summarize this chapter. This is the moment where Jonah does what he was told in the first place. And the three words I chose were warning, repentance, forgiveness. Warning from Jonah, repentance from the people of Nineveh, and forgiveness from God. And for me, the picture of this chapter is that Jonah runs with God. To choose mission is to choose to run with God. That's an incredible picture. It's an incredible privilege that he invites us into this. To choose mission is to choose to run with God. It's to expect to see him at work with the specific group of people who are around you, your friends, your family, your church. It may be the people he will send you to. Imagine yourself running with God. Because in that place where we actually think, I, I am with God, I am in a place where God is alongside me, or I am alongside God, there is the possibility of radical and lifelong transformation. This, this stirs up in me the question of expectation. I have a good friend called John, and I know if John is turning up to be in our group of friends, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking forward to this more. I'm going to laugh more. I'm going to have more fun. That's what it is whenever that, that's, I have that sense of expectation. And I wonder where our expectations lie when it comes, when it comes to mission or when it comes to following Jesus. What do you want to see God doing? Do you allow yourself to dream? Whose life do you want to see restored? Who do you want to see coming back to faith? What addiction or brokenness or healing are you desperate for? And this is a lesson I have to remind myself and challenge with myself. Are my eyes wide open? Are my dreams big enough? Are my hopes high enough? for a God that I am running with and who allows me to run with him. If we say yes to this call to mission and disciple-making, we are running with God, the maker of heaven and earth. And I think Jonah reminds us of our need for expectancy, to be expectant of what he can do, to be expectant of transformation and restoration. And finally, phase four, chapter four one of the most inconvenient chapters in the whole Bible. This chapter is so inconvenient that we like to skip it when we're teaching the story to children because it just doesn't fit. So what three words do we use to sum up Jonah chapter 4? Well, I've got anger, plant, worm. The chapter just doesn't seem to make sense. Jonah is annoyed that God is gracious. That's why I didn't go to Nineveh. It's all revealed. I wasn't scared. I, I knew who you were, God. You're gracious. You're compassionate. 
you're too gracious. And so God responds with this strange lesson with a plant that grows up that shades Jonah and gets eaten by a worm and then dies. And God uses that story or that that happening to underline how much he cares for people. And then it's over. No happy ending, no response from Jonah, nothing to tie it all up so that our holiday Bible club can finish in a really nice high note. None of that. What's going on here? Lesson number four, Jonah tries to run God. Jonah tries to run God. And this is a warning. This is a warning for the committed. The longer you go in the Christian life, the more mission and ministry you're involved in, the more your experience grows, the more you know what should happen next. Here's the warning. Beware of trying to run God. Beware of limiting his potential. Beware of preempting his action. Beware of relying on your skill rather than his spirit. I think that's a daily reminder for me. When you've done it, and I don't look that old, but when I've done it for 20 years in youth ministry, I have to stop relying on my skill and start relying on his spirit every day, I think. Jonah reminds us of our need for humility. Don't try and run God. So let me encourage us all to reorientate, to renew our commitment to this call to mission and disciple-making, and to step out with this call of Jesus ringing in our ears. Be intentional. Live in a way that deliberately helps the people around you step closer and commit more fully to Jesus. And let's have the lessons from Jonah guiding our path, our need for obedience, dependence, expectancy, and humility. Let us pray. Thank you.